Christmas season to remember you, Jesus. Bless our time. In your name we pray. Amen. What a powerful skit uh, to watch as we start our series on Christmas carols. That's the original Christmas carols that we're starting. And, and today we learn from a man named Zechariah. And we need to know who he is. We see uh, in your bulletin, in your insert, it has four points. I believe it's only three points in the first one. But we see that, that he shows us faithfulness in the silence of God. He shows us faith, faithfulness in the silence of God. He shows us forbearance during a difficult situation. And then he even shows us some faithlessness Faithlessness, even for a moment, when the impossible becomes the possible. So let's dig into it. God had chosen to be silent. He was silent. He wasn't speaking through the prophets. He wasn't speaking through angels for 400 plus years. And yet we're introduced to a gentleman and to his wife, who verse 6 in Luke 1 says, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And even though God wasn't speaking directly to Zechariah, he was faithfully studying the books of what we call the Old Testament. He was studying those books faithfully. He didn't waver in his faith to God Almighty. In fact, Zechariah showed us a great amount of patience in God throughout his life. Remember, his wife, he, she couldn't have children. And we learned in, from Hannah in 1 Samuel that children are a blessing, right? Children are a blessing. And, and I'm sure Elizabeth saw the children being born from her other family members, from her neighbors, from her friends. And yet, through all those years, even in their advanced years, they were still faithful to the Lord. When the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, I'm sure just like most people, Zechariah was taken aback. It said fear fell upon him. I believe it was Daniel who, who, who had trouble even speaking when Gabriel visited him. You, you see, Zechariah would have been familiar with Daniel and, and Gabriel, what, 600-plus years before that? He would have been familiar with that because he knew the Scriptures. Nonetheless, when the message from, came from Gabriel, Zechariah did show some distrust. He showed some distrust, and I believe that he, he, he just couldn't believe that he was going to have a, a child. I talked to Bill earlier this week, and I said, uh, what, if, what if you learned that Alice was going to have a child now? <laughs> Some disbelief starts creeping in there. I've read that Zechariah was 60 to 80 years old. 60 to 80 years old. We don't know what, it, what advanced years really meant. But we do know that they were too old from what our world understands, is being able to have babies. Like I, mess 
I, I, I mentioned earlier, our message is really on, on Luke 1, 67 through 80. I think that's what it's identified in there. I didn't even look ahead of time, but that's what, that's what I put out. But we focus on another group because I think it's important that we understand who Zechariah is. That's an important factor in understanding what the song is. Sometimes when my kids uh, are playing some music and I'm not so excited about what I'm hearing, and half the time I can't even understand what they're saying, so, so they hate it when I get on, and I'm sure they're thinking about it right now as I'm saying it. When I, what's that song? And then they'll say the name, and I'm on the computer and looking up the lyrics. And that, that's a beautiful thing for us. We can understand the lyrics, and then we can understand the person behind the lyrics. And that's what we're doing here, is we're understanding Zechariah. You see, Zechariah, he was struck with the inability to speak. And some believe, like me, that he really couldn't hear either. In verse 62, it says that the neighbors were making signs in order to communicate. But if he could hear, they wouldn't have to make signs. They could just talk to him plainly. I know John Piper, he agrees with me, or maybe the other way around. Anyway, this silence, I believe, was used as a blessing as opposed to a burden. As a blessing opposed to a burden. I was playing basketball yesterday morning. Jacob and I went and played uh, with my brother and, and a friend. And my friend, his name's Todd Colvin, he's got a son named Zach. Zach is a huge senior in high school. Actually, he's a fifth-year senior. He already graduated, now working on his master's. But he goes to Bowling Green. And he, he plays on the Bowling Green football team. I think he's 50, number 54. I'm not sure. Zach Colvin is one of the strongest defensive linemen in the entire nation. Zach Colvin played at Manuka High School, so maybe uh, you've heard of him, maybe not. He graduated, obviously, five years ago from Manuka, and he is a beast. And, and the other day when they were playing, ESPN had their highlight before the game. And in their highlight, they said, the two people we're watching is, they named one guy, and then they said, and Zach Colvin for Bowling Green. Zach Colvin is is definitely on his way to playing in the NFL, and, and he's got great things going for him. Well, they didn't realize, ZSPN didn't at that point, but earlier that day, Zach Colvin was told he was done for the season. You see, Zach Colvin was hurting in, in his chest area, and, and, and he couldn't figure out why, and so he finally got x-rays, found out that he had a fractured sternum, they said the only two ways that they've seen fractured sternums happen is a horse kicks someone, which we knew a horse didn't kick him, or he gets in a severe car accident. He had neither of those. He had football players pounding him over and over and over because every time Zach Colvin would go in, two people have to guard him, try to keep him away from the quarterback because he's so strong and quick. He's 300-plus pounds, and he is just pure muscle. Well, Zach Colvin, I, what I said to Todd yesterday, I'm talking to his dad. His dad is like, 
yeah, it's a bummer. You know, I mean, he wants to play in the NFL. That means millions of dollars eventually if he's able to succeed. 600000 I think, is the minimum salary. And, and Zach has worked hard for this. It's his third favorite sport, by the way. And, and, and I said, you know what? It could be a blessing. Because if Zach Colvin rips his ACL or, or whatever in these last couple games, Zach Colvin may lose his opportunity to go to the NFL. He hurt his sternum. No, no football team cares about that. That's going to heal. That's not going to affect him for future. And, and sometimes we, we don't understand that things that God does for us, and I don't know if that's the case here, but sometimes we don't understand. And Zechariah, he was given silence. Something happened to him that he thought might be a burden. I think it was a blessing. And God loves doing that, doesn't he? He makes a mistake, or we make a mistake. He doesn't make any mistakes. We make a mistake, and we suffer through the consequences, and then God uses those consequences, and he uses our humbleness to grow us. One preacher said, God always turns his rebukes into rewards for those who keep the faith. He always takes your rebukes and makes them into rewards for those who keep the faith. So as Zechariah did, I encourage you to keep the faith. I keep the faith during that trial that you're experiencing, whenever that trial is, and I'm sure that each of you here are somehow facing a trial. You're figuring something out. Keep the faith. God wants us to be humble and to know that he is God. Zechariah had nine months of silence, and I'm guessing that he mulled over the words of Gabriel during that time. I'm guessing he dug into the words of Scripture that he had. And he spent time on his knees asking the Lord to teach him, probably to bless his up-and-coming son. What if you were silent for nine months? I have some husbands probably smiling right now. Maybe wives smiling even more. Many people wouldn't be able to do their jobs if they couldn't speak, if they couldn't hear. Many people probably would go into a depression because they'd think their life is basically over. Based on the song that we're going to read that Zechariah gave, he used his nine months of silence to worship the king. So that leads us to the song. I'm guessing that this wasn't a song that he was singing with uh, music. I'm guessing it wasn't a song where he had backup singers uh, in the back doing some uh, snapping and some swaying. No, Zechariah's song is probably just him standing, maybe even him sitting there with his eight-day-old baby, I'm guessing, in his arms. I'm guessing he was holding baby John in his arms. Let me read the song to you. You can stay seated. I'm going to start in verse 57 of Luke 1, where we read about the birth of John, and then it will move into the song of Zechariah. Luke 1, 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, 
they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, This is where the song portion comes in. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, All our days, verse 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit. He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Well, right away in these verses, right away, right at the beginning, in verse 67, we see Zechariah what was filled with the spirit. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be filled with the spirit? Can I get an amen? I want to be filled with the Spirit. I, 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 want, I want people to say, wow, that guy loves the Lord. He walks with them and he talks with them. He's filled with the Spirit. Are you bowing down to the King of Kings? Are you asking him to, to teach you how to love him more? Are you acknowledging his greatness and humbling yourself before him? Because that's what it's about. I think that's what Zechariah did. I think that he was already a humble man prior to this event. And now he bowed, maybe his face even closer to the ground. Do you get on your knees ever and pray to Jesus? I want you to think about that. Do you do that? That, that's, I'm not going to sit here and teach that there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. But there's something about getting on your knees and truly asking God how you can serve him. And I think Zechariah laid face down to the ground in humility. 
we see this picture of Zechariah standing there, sharing these beautiful words, and he's, and he's holding, holding a brand new baby boy, eight days old. And what are his words about? What, what does he speak about in these words? Well, first, we see that Zechariah sings about the fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 68 talked about the visiting of the redeemed people. And throughout history, Israel experienced God redeeming them after they made mistakes. Redeeming them time and again. He kept forgiving their iniquities. And once again, Zechariah knows that that God has, has now come to redeem his people. I would assume that Zechariah was thinking politically, uh, was thinking that this was going to be a, a redemption politically. They were going to retake their land, maybe rebuild the temple that Solomon had once had built, so beautiful. Maybe those were the thoughts that Zechariah had. I'm guessing that Zechariah didn't understand that the Messiah, the Lord as he refers, was needed to die and do nothing politically, at least from their vantage point. You know what? Jesus couldn't even have his own apostles understand that concept. So I don't think Zechariah could have understood it. Verse 69 points to the horn of salvation. He even knows that this is going to be Mary's child. He understands that, that it's going to be Mary's child. Uh, and we'll learn about that in two weeks, about Mary's song. And he says that the horn will come from the house of David. And Mary is from the lineage of David. And Mary, in the meantime, in between those scriptures that we didn't read, Mary had come and visited Elizabeth. And remember, the child leaped, leapt in the womb. Zechariah wasn't talking about the Messiah being an instrument when he said the horn. He's talking about a, a wild ox. He's talking about something that was super strong and, and, and fierce and, and could take down the enemies. And he was a good student of the word. Remember, Zechariah was probably researching scripture through this time. Psalm 92 9 through 10 says, For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish, all evildoers shall be scattered, but you have exalted, get this, my horn like that of a wild ox. Likewise, Numbers 23, 22 says, God brings them out of Egypt, there's redemption, and is for them like the horns of a wild ox. Like the horns of a wild ox. These were big old horns, and that's what he was referring to, Jesus, the up-and-coming king and lord. Verse 70 refers back to the prophets. 71 refers back to the redemption from enemies. 72 is looking at all the promises given by God through the centuries. In fact, if you, verse 72, if you look at Romans 9, 4, it spells it out nicely. It says, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. There have been so many promises given by God in the Old Testament, pointing forward. So many different covenants from Abraham and David 
and the new covenant to come. Verse 73 and 74, look to the covenant made with Abraham. And then in verse 76, Zechariah, this brand new daddy, brand new daddy, who is much too old to have a kid, he finally talks about his son. Finally. He finally talks about his son. He understood that during this nine months of solitude, that it was a very special thing for him and his wife to have a son, but that their son was only going to serve as the person to announce the coming of someone much greater, someone much greater than himself. You see, Zechariah understood that his son John, he was just the forerunner. He was just the forerunner to the Messiah. He, he, he knew the truth became clear and he wanted to tell everyone about it. That's what this song is all about. You see, nine months, nine months of silence. And our brother Zechariah, he comes and he's being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's singing about fulfillment of prophecy. And he barely even mentions his own child, barely even talks about his own son, because he understood that everything, everything was about one thing. What is that? Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Alistair Begg, I love listening to him. He says this, in the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the Gospels, Jesus is revealed. In the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus is preached. In the Epistles, Jesus is explained. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is expected. The Bible is an amazing book. The Bible is an amazing book. If you get a chance, check it out. Check it out. In the last verse of Zechariah's song, he explains that the Messiah is the light to those in the dark. I love the way he puts it, and he says, starting in verse 78, whereby the sunrise, look at the sunrise, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. Jesus said it during his own ministry in John 8, what did he say? He said, he is the light. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Can I get another amen? I'm so thankful for Jesus and who he is and that he's my light. He's the light of the world. He's the light of this church. He's the light of your family. He's the light of everything. You know what? Even if you don't have money for the light bill, even if you don't, if you're stuck in the bottom of a coal mine, Jesus is still the light of the world. The verse goes on to explain that the Messiah provides life to those who are dead. He also says that the Messiah will lead those who are without direction. I wonder if Zechariah was reading Psalm 23. I bet many of you here could quote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me 
Beside still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. This great man of the Lord, he had been studying God's word his whole life. He's been studying them. This man spent decades without a child. Decades without a child being married. And the man was struck with deafness and dumbness. And he knew that everything, everything had to be focused on what? The Messiah. Everything was about the Messiah. Zechariah understood the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning. That's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about Phil Chapman. It's not about Bill Griffith. It's not about Nancy Burton. It's not about Jacob Chapman or Julie Wright. It's not about any of us. It's about Jesus Christ. And he understood that it wasn't about the gift that he was receiving to become a father. That was a huge gift he got for Christmas. He understood it wasn't about the celebration of all the neighbors and family coming over. That was good. Those are good. Those are fun. Our party's going to be fun in Newark when you stop at the BP. All those are going to be great things. But those are worthless compared to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's worthy of everything. Zechariah cared so much more than himself. He was excited about Mary's child. I'm excited about Mary's child because he's the king of kings. And this Christmas, will you and your family, will you bow your knees to the king? I'm being serious. Will you bow your knees to Jesus Christ? Will you truly hand over your issues that are going on in your life? You have issues with money, kids, jobs, relationships, everything handed over to God. Truly just give it to him. He wants it, and he wants it all. That's why he went to the cross, right? That's why he went to the cross. He, he came to this world for you. For you. He came to this world for me. He came to this world for all of us to have the opportunity to acknowledge that he is our sunrise to acknowledge that he is the light. He is the horn of salvation. He can take on our battles and he can take out our enemies. Today, today will you serve Jesus? Will you serve Jesus with everything that you have? Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful we are so thankful to serve you and to worship you. We're so thankful for the sunrise as a reminder of you. You are the great sunrise, the horn of our salvation. You're there to fight for us and to take care of us. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and I say that often, God. I believe it so much. I'm so thankful for the salvation that you have offered me that you've offered my family, that you've offered these people, that you've offered our community. May we be bold in our witness, bold in our life for you. May we preach the word in the way we live, 
and the way we bow our knees. May those things speak volumes. We ask somehow, God, somehow we could be a blessing to you. We are so thankful for your sacrifice and your resurrection. We're thankful for your willingness to love us. In your name we pray. Amen.